The Productive Woman, Episode 352. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me. I am excited in this episode to share with you my conversation with physician's assistant and educator Sarah Kyes as part of our 2021 Productive Living series. You'll find more information about Sarah along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 352. This episode is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Anna Luisa. They are the makers of some beautiful jewelry that's crafted with care, produced in a sustainable carbon neutral process. I love that they offset 100% of the carbon emissions for each piece's life cycle. And they're offering the Productive Woman listeners 10% off your order if you visit their website using my special URL, analuisa.com slash the productive woman. And Anna Luisa, it's all one word, but it's spelled A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Their website is a lot of fun to browse. They have a really great variety of types of jewelry. They have bracelets, earrings, rings, necklaces. I mentioned, I think on a previous episode, a beautiful pair of earrings that I got from their website that I love wearing with just about everything. They're just so pretty. And they release new collections each Friday. So there's always something new to see. And they have these very timeless pieces with prices starting at $39. Most of what they have there is so reasonably priced and it's really a nice quality. Another piece that I recently ordered and received is a bracelet they call the Lisa bracelet. And this is a a very delicate gold chain with a pretty heart charm, I guess I would call it at the end of its extender. It's very simple, very pretty. And I love wearing it either alone or stacked with other pieces, my Apple watch and a couple of other bracelets. It really goes with everything. And I love it. I also got a piece I'll mention. They have a a necklace called the mama necklace. And this is another very delicate gold chain necklace with the word mama in, in gold plated letters. And I got that as a gift for my younger daughter to celebrate the birth of her first child this month. Uh, The baby may already be here by the time you hear this. So I'm excited to give that piece to her. Like I said, they just have so many different pieces to choose from. Anybody can find something there that they'd like. And the 10% discount that they're offering you as a listener of this podcast, on top of their already reasonable prices, makes their their beautiful, well-made jewelry, affordable for just about anybody. So I invite you to treat yourself or someone you love to something from Anna Luisa's collection. I recommend them absolutely. They're a great brand. 
They make beautiful jewelry that is also sustainable. And there's a lot more you can learn about their company by visiting their website. So to see their jewelry for yourself, visit analuisa.com slash the productive woman and enter the code the productive woman at checkout to get that 10% off your order. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A analuisa.com slash the productive woman and special discount code the productive woman. And now let's get into my conversation with Sarah. I am so pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Sarah Kies. Sarah is a physician's assistant with a keen interest in something known as lifestyle medicine, which is something we're going to be talking about today. She notes that while she's a physician's assistant by training, she's an educator by passion and currently is pursuing her doctorate in education while continuing to coach patients and teach as an assistant professor in the Baylor College of Medicine's Physician's Assistant Program helping to train the next generation of PAs. Outside of work, Sarah enjoys cooking, figuring out productivity hacks, napping and resting, a woman after my own heart, and hanging out with her husband, baby Weston, who's five months old, and Calvin, who's three years old. And I've really been looking forward to talking with her about how health and wellness fit into our goal of making a life that matters. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Laura. I'm so happy and excited to be here. Well, I'm delighted that you could join me today. And I'm really looking forward to the things we're going to talk about because you're going to be educating me a little bit about uh, some of the things that you do because it was a new concept for me. I gave a little bit of an introduction to you, but maybe we could start by you telling us a little more about who you are, where you are, what you do, whatever you think might be useful for us to know as we get into this conversation. Well, thank you for the lovely introduction. Um, and as you mentioned, I'm a physician assistant by training. I trained at Baylor College of Medicine here in beautiful and sunny and about to be very hot Houston. And then I practiced in family medicine for about five to six years after I graduated. And I loved family medicine. I loved my patients. I loved forming those relationships, but I always knew that I wanted to teach and so an opportunity came up at Baylor College of Medicine for me to join the faculty there. And I always say I tricked them into taking me. <laughs> and I started there and my mentor introduced me to lifestyle medicine. He said, hey, I know you're interested in helping people live healthier lifestyles. And I think this is right up your alley. And when I looked into it, I thought, yeah, actually, this is the light bulb moment for me. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to talk to patients about. And this is what I want to talk to our students about. So I'm very fortunate that I get to do that almost every day and that I get to try to model it in my own life for other people. Well, and that maybe segues very nicely into something. What I'd love to hear about is, as a starting point, is what is lifestyle medicine? Because this is something I had not heard about until you and I started trading some emails. So I'm going to start by giving you the American College of Lifestyle Medicine definition, which is that lifestyle medicine is the evidence-based use of lifestyle modifications in order to prevent, treat, and reverse chronic disease. So it's this actually kind of old notion that we can use our habits and the choices we make and our lifestyle 
to promote our health or prevent chronic disease. And while it's extremely simple and elegant in idea, it's actually pretty difficult. It's not easy to do. If it was, I wouldn't have a job, right? Mm -hmm. And lifestyle medicine is framed through these six pillars. And the six pillars are nutrition. So what we eat, physical activity, how we move, stress management, sleep, social support, and substance use cessation. So if we optimize and we work to have uh, supportive habits in all of those pillars, then we're on the path to leading a healthier life. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you've, you've talked to us a little bit about how you got into that and how your, your colleague kind of got you interested in it. I did a little research uh, after you and I had uh, agreed that you were going to come and talk to us today. And the the website you just mentioned, I think it was the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. I, I read on there where they say that 80% or more of all healthcare spending in the United States is tied to the treatment of conditions rooted in poor lifestyle choices. Uh, and they talk about you know, pretty serious kinds of conditions and like hypertension, heart disease, stroke, type two diabetes, and more. Uh, and they say on the website that these are among what they call the most common, costly and preventable of all health conditions. And that was just, it was news to me, I guess. And it was fascinating to me. And I, I wonder what are the, when they talk about the poor lifestyle choices that are causing these conditions, what are those things and what can we do to turn those around? I guess we can call it the million dollar question because so much of the spending in the United States is on these chronic conditions. And for women in particular, we're really thinking about heart disease, right? That's one of the top causes of mortality for women. So it feels very empowering to think about how we can use lifestyle to take control of our health and have a lot of autonomy there. And of course, we know that it's a little more nuanced than that and that there are upstream and downstream factors that play a huge part in how healthy we are, right? Mm -hmm. Such as inequality and access to care. But knowing that we can uh, use our energy to optimize our health in, in our habits and our lifestyle is one way that we can take control and be empowered over our own health. So some of those behaviors that we'll talk about in, in terms of putting you at higher risk for disease are sedentary lifestyle, nourishing yourself in a way that it doesn't fit with what activities you're trying to engage in, poor sleep quality or quantity, being extremely stressed all of the time, um, not having good social support, feeling lonely, or using substances, particularly tobacco is the one we're always harping on. Mm, yeah. And so, it, it, and to me, those things are all, it's, it's so interesting to hear that because as I thought about this, when I was reading what the website had to say about it and, and listening to you, you know, it occurred to me that it, it, it could almost, some people could see it as we're, we're blaming individuals for their health conditions, but that's not how I see it. To me, it is, as you said, very empowering to realize that I can 
make changes in my behavior, uh, make different choices. If my choices are contributing to poor health or a condition that I have, that means I can make a different choice and improve my health. Is that, am I oversimplifying it? Not at all. I think it's a really hopeful message. And I think you're right. It could be definitely perceived as blaming. And I do think our culture tends to spend a little bit too much time individualizing and stigmatizing disease as an issue of poor willpower or poor discipline. Mm. And again, the social determinants of health are really important, but we can take away that nugget of hope and say, well, what can I do in my sphere to really promote my health? Yeah. And am I correct in saying that lifestyle medicine doesn't um, discount the importance of medication or other kinds of medical interventions? This is just another component of, of improving health? Such an important point. Yes, we um, firmly believe that if you need pharmacological intervention, you should have it. Many people definitely need to take medications for their chronic diseases, we just hope that our providers, our healthcare force is also talking to you about your lifestyle and how you can use that to augment your treatment plan and possibly even get off of some of those medications if that's possible or just be healthier in general. Yeah. Last year sometime, I had kind of a wake up moment. I went in for my uh, for my annual checkup and you know, the, my doctor, family doctor did the, uh, the blood work and all of that and came back and said, my cholesterol levels were too high. And, um, she wanted me to go on some medication for that. But she said also, here, here's some other things you can do. Watch what you're eating. And she talked about that, um, and get some exercise. She said, go for a walk every day. Uh, and, so she put me on medication had, and I came home and I took very seriously what she said to me. And I started, you know, getting on the treadmill cause the weather didn't cooperate for going outside, but getting some more movement every day, being more cautious about what I was eating. And she had me come back in a few months later and the numbers were much better. And she actually said I could, you know, try out, I'm, I'm, I'm on a, like a, a few months trial of just using the lifestyle choices, the exercise, the diet, and those sorts of things without the medication. And then she's going to check and see if it keeps things where they're supposed to be. Well, congratulations on that. That's a, we love success stories like that. It's just so nice to hear when a patient is able to you know, maybe have a little bit of medication to start with, but come off of it and just be using lifestyle to manage disease. That's fantastic. That's the dream, right? It's better for you. It's better for the healthcare system. It's better for society. That's what we really want. That's the goal. Yeah. And I, and I guess that was when she was talking to me about those things, that was lifestyle medicine, right? That was lifestyle medicine, even if she didn't label it as such. Yeah. And, and I didn't, think about it until, until just now. So anyway, from that perspective, thinking about those things, what should we be focused on if we want to take control of our health, whether we have a chronic health condition or not, what, what sorts of things would lifestyle medicine say we should be thinking about and focusing on to take control and improve our, our health? I love this question because it's basically asking what prescriptions would we give people 
kind Mm -hmm. of what, what is the most bang for our buck? What is the most efficient and productive way that we can grab hold of our health and do it through our habits? And so I'll talk about maybe one or two behaviors per each of those pillars. And that's really how you want to conceptualize your health is through those six pillars. So everybody always wants to talk about nutrition, right? That's like the big question that patients, everybody wants to talk about is what should I eat, right? And I think we can all agree we should just eat more vegetables. That's definitely on the on the list. We, we know that all of the diets that we talk about in culture or in medicine all have in common, just eat more vegetables. But I think one, one of the issues that can be more powerful for women, especially is that we're not nourishing ourselves adequately at all. Mm. So we're busy either taking care of our kiddos in the home, managing our home or working outside the home. It's three o'clock. We haven't had anything to eat all day. Our body's starving and our body does what a body should do when it's starving. It looks for nourishment in something that's convenient and fast and full of fat and sugar. And that's, that's what bodies should do. That's physiologically appropriate, but we don't want to do that day after day, after day, after day, we really want to get adequate nutrition throughout the day. So I tell women to really focus on making sure they're eating enough. Sometimes you can pack a little bento box. My toddler has a little top, uh, lunch box that I fill with little snacks that I eat all day. And then a next area of focus is physical activity. And you talked about walking. We talk about walking all the time. And our prescription is always to move more. More is better than less. Some is better than none. But the sneaky sort of powerful, impactful behavior is moving throughout your day. So not going to not getting 20 minutes, 30 minutes on the treadmill. Um, that's great. That's You should be doing that but also get up and move every 25 minutes, stretch a little bit. That way you're not sitting all day, which is an independent risk factor for mortality. So we really want people to focus on just movement throughout the day. Hmm. And then another area is our sleep. We talked about um, sleep being one of the pillars. Again, here, more is better than less. Some is better than none. Mm -hmm. But I find one of the most efficient ways to improve your health here is to implement a bedtime routine and to cue our brains to go to sleep. Us moms, we know that we teach our kids how to go to sleep by having a bedtime routine. And that's really just neuroscience. We're cueing brains to go to sleep. And I guess as adults, we forget to do that. (laughs) So instead of cueing our brain to sleep, we scroll social media or look at our computer for too long. And then we're all emotionally keyed up and the blue lights woken us up. So I always say, try to implement some sort of analog bedtime routine, some tea or some journaling or just some breathing that really helps you get into that mindset. Hmm. Then we want you to focus on stress management. You know, self-care is really being pushed by the wellness industry. I think for women, what we sometimes feel is that it just feels like another box we have to check off. Oh yeah, I have to do my meditation today. I have to take my nap today. I love naps, so I don't feel like that, but um, (laughs) it can feel like that. It can feel like another thing on our list. And so I recommend shifting our focus over to that mindfulness. And that doesn't have to be a should. It doesn't have to be you have to put certain clothes on and put a meditation on and you should do it this way. 
No, if you're in line, if you're on hold on the phone, if your toddler's making you crazy, just take a second, take some deep breaths, notice your breath, practice some mindfulness. Mm. For social support, we want people to focus there, especially during the pandemic. It's hard. We're having a harder time staying connected, right? Yeah. And so volunteering, that's a great way to connect you to your purpose. We talk a lot about that as, as far as getting that social support. For women, I'm always thinking about find a passion that connects you with other people and try to kill two birds with one stone. So I joined a running group recently. I haven't run since my first baby was born. I really want to get back to it. But these women were just having so much fun. We're posting playlists. We're talking about our runs. It just feels like I'm having some friends again, which is great. And then substance use cessation is another one to focus on. It's really hard for me to say anything neutral about tobacco. Um, I usually try to stay away from dichotomies and shoulds and shouldn'ts, but can't say anything good about smoking. But I do say I'll flip it positive and say get plenty of water, of course, Um, and that alcohol can be a little tricky. But I always say if it's a part of your traditions and your spirituality or, you know, part of your social connection, that's fine. But also try to get that water in there. Yeah. So that was a long answer, but those are the areas we should focus on. Well, and what I love about it is nothing you just said is difficult or time consuming or um, complicated. I, I, you know, it, it's, it sounds like there are a lot of simple, small things that we can do that, that I mean, it sounds like you're saying those things can make a, a big difference cumulatively over time. They can make a huge difference. And I think sometimes we come into the health frame of mind thinking I have to do a 360 degree, you know, alteration of all of my life to get healthy. And it's this heavy lift. It's this mountain I have to climb, but really it's just these small tweaks, these small changes that we can make that we're consistent with that really get us up that mountain. Yeah. And, and those things apply. I think they're, they're good things, whether or not you have a chronic health condition that you're trying to manage, but what, um, is there a difference? Is there anything different you say to someone who does have a chronic health condition that they need to manage? And and maybe that's too broad a question because of course it, it would depend on what the condition is, but you know, what would you say, how would you say this applies in that circumstance, I guess? I think that's a great question. I think we do. I think what that brings up for me is that you have to make sure that your recommendations are really tailored to the person. And that is if you're a person who's looking to work on your health, to make sure that you find someone to work with who does want to tailor it very specifically to your chronic disease condition. Um, There are a lot of broad pieces of advice we give, like I did just now, but you do, you know, for nourishment, for example, you've got, you're going to want to tweak that a little bit if you have type 2 diabetes or if, as you mentioned, you have high cholesterol. There may be some very specific suggestions there. One of the ways that I like to make things a little more specific is to think about what does the person in front of me have energy about? Because even if I think they really need to make changes in the nutrition pillar, if they don't care about that, if it's too overwhelming or they're just not excited about it then we need to start somewhere else. And you can think about that yourself. Where do I want to start? Where do I have the most 
excitement and energy. Because once you start making changes in one pillar, it spills over to all of the other pillars. So if you're getting better sleep, you make better nourishment choices. If you make better nourishment choices, you're more likely to be physically active. So making changes in one area then spills over into all of the other areas. And that's phenomenal. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I, I'm, as you were saying that, I was thinking about a day earlier this week where for various reasons, I didn't get enough sleep uh, the night before. I woke up very, very early, like three o'clock in the morning and couldn't get back to sleep. And so was up and I re- noticed as the day wore on, how much harder it was for me to resist the the little bowl of chocolates that were sitting in the kitchen that somebody had brought in or some of those sorts of things that it, it, I found myself gravitating toward food that I've been avoiding pretty easily for the last, you know, several months. And I also didn't have the energy to work out that day. And it all kind of tied back to the fact that I just didn't get enough sleep the night before. Yeah. Sleep is, I've, I, we always start with nutrition. Everybody always wants to talk about nutrition, but to me, sleep is the most important (laughs) pillar because if you can't get the sleep you need, man, all of the rest of it is so, so much harder. And speaking as a recently second time mom with a five month old, (laughs) I am viscerally remembering uh, not sleeping and how hard it was the next day to manage my emotions, to manage when I was eating, to manage moving around. It just, none of it fits together well if you're not getting the right sleep. And you can say about the same thing about all the pillars. If there's a, a real big problem in one of the pillars, it's going to spill over into all of the other ones. Yeah, that totally makes sense. We are, you know, we, we are human beings. We like to sort of categorize things and separate them into their own little, little spaces. But, but we are, you know, sort of unitary whole persons and all those things interact with each other. Um, in it, just as you were describing and, and you can't, you can't sort of separate one out and say, well, this is the only one that makes a difference. Yeah. And I think we tend to overly focus on one cause we get, you know, messaging from media about what's important and what's not important and lots of, uh, ads and noise basically about what we should be focusing on. There's that should word again, we should be doing this, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's about what's, what's meaningful to you and your health and, and how you can feel joy and energy in taking charge of your health. Well, and so on that point, if if someone wants to take a more proactive role in their own health management, whether because they've got a, a chronic condition or just because they want to be healthier, because you know, the the stronger and healthier we are physically and mentally and emotionally, the more productive we're going to be. So anybody listening to this podcast is going to be interested in those sorts of things. We know if we don't feel well physically, um, we're, we're likely to struggle to get the things done that are important to us. So if somebody wants to, to start to be more proactive about that and educate themselves and take, you know, take proactive steps. What are some resources maybe that you could recommend to them to maybe educate themselves and get started down that path? 
So I think the American College of Lifestyle Medicine website is a phenomenal resource. They have all kinds of handouts that are just one page handouts about all six of these pillars and small steps and bigger steps that you can take with respect to taking charge of your health. And I I always think it's a good idea to talk to your provider about the steps that you want to take. And um, I have a couple of tools and apps that I use for my health that I might just mention if that's okay with you. Sure, absolutely. So I feel like one of the most overwhelming things about the nutrition is planning your meals. We hear meal planning is difficult all the time. Um, I really love the paprika recipe app because you can save all your recipes and make grocery lists and make menus that you can then use over and over again. So I use that to make my life a little bit easier and take charge in the nutrition pillar. And then uh, for physical activity, I think walking is, I wish I, there's no, I'm sure there's a app for walking, but (laughs) just getting out and walking is, is really great way to just start at the base, you can do it without consulting with your physician or your provider. Just get started walking. It's so good for you. But also there are some great videos and resources out there that are 10, 15 minute workouts um, that you can explore that would just fit really easily into your day. Hopefully. Um, I think the calm, I think you've mentioned the calm app on your podcast. I love that app. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And I love those sleep stories so Mm -hmm. much. But that app is great. And then Intention Timer has some really good meditations, uh, sleep stories. They have this thing called Yoga Nidra. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's basically yogic napping. So you're just napping. Who doesn't love that? (laughs) Um, And then I always say your breath is such a great tool to just start getting healthier. Um, It goes with you everywhere. It's always on. And if you just sit and notice it for a few minutes, that really connects you with your body and your body's going to tell you what it needs. Maybe it needs some food. Maybe it needs some movement. Maybe it needs a nap. But the key is to listen to it. And that's how we can really start getting healthy. Hmm. Well, let's talk about that for just a second. So what do you mean by, on a very practical level, what do you mean by notice your breath? For somebody who hasn't done meditation or hasn't, you know, that that's a new concept. What, what do you mean by that? So what I mean is, and it's a, I know it's tricky because your breath is always there. So we kind of take it for granted. We don't really notice it, but if you just sit for a minute, close your eyes. And first thing I do is I notice what I hear, what I, and what I smell. And then I take a minute and I just notice where's the air coming in. Is it coming in through my nose? Is it coming in through my mouth? Is it, am I feeling it in my chest? Am I feeling it in my belly? Is there a pause before it goes out of my mouth? Is there a pause when it comes into my mouth? Just noticing it, not judging it, not trying to make it deeper, just noticing it, not being judgmental of it. Your mind's going to go ballistic. It's a monkey, right? It's going to go everywhere. You got to get, you got to do this. You got to do this, but acknowledge your mind, be gentle with it. Like it's a puppy. It's okay, puppy. I know you're all over the place but let's just notice our breath right now. Hmm. Another great way to get started that's easy is something called box breathing. Hmm. And that's where you take a breath in for four counts, hold it for four counts, breath out for four counts, hold it for four counts, Hmm. repeat over and over and over again. And, and just the, 
I would think that just the, um, the act of sort of counting the four counts silently in your head, it means you're, you're thinking about that instead of all the other stuff that was, you know, that's floats around in our minds and keeps us distracted so much of the time. It really helps me. I have a really hard time with my monkey brain. And so for me, I really need to be counting or chanting in, out, in, out. Otherwise I get distracted very easily, but that activates a part of your nervous system called the parasympathetic nervous system, which tells your body, you're not getting ready to run from a lion. You're getting ready to rest now. Mm. And that helps you come back down to the ground and really listen to what your needs are. Most of the day we spend in our sympathetic nervous system, which is telling us to run from the lion. Mm. There is no lion, right? There are yeah. just emails, toddlers, <laughs> uh, pools, repairs. That's all we've got, right? Um, so we have to help our brain get back into that parasympathetic space. Yeah. And, and I think that's why when you're having one of those moments where things are going crazy and you're, you're stressed out. And for me, I, I realize that I'm stressing out when I, when I notice that my shoulders are clear up by my ears, you know, and, and I'm just tense and it helps me to do what something like what you've just described to sort of intentionally lower my shoulders, close my eyes and take some deep breaths and just, and whether it's counting or whatever else, put my attention there. It, it's like it, it, I think it brings my blood pressure down. It certainly brings my, the tension in my body down so that I can think because when I'm that stressed and that tense, I can't, it's like, I can't focus on whatever it is I need to be doing because the mind's just going crazy. Yes. And the key to all of that, I feel like what you were saying, I could actually feel my own shoulders almost coming down and my jaw unlocking. But the key to that is noticing first yes. that you're in that space, right? It's really hard to notice that when we're just kind of go, go, go all the time. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's an important piece or something at least that I have found an important piece of, of being more, more peaceful, more, and more productive because I'm able to, um, catch myself when I'm going off the rails that way and, and kind of calm myself down. Uh, it's, it's very difficult for me at least to be productive when I'm in that, that sort of frantic state of mind of, too much to do. My mind doesn't know where to land. And so it's just kind of going all over the place. Yeah. That feeling of absolute overwhelm really takes away from our ability to focus or get into a flow state. And, um, I think we can waste a lot of bandwidth and energy fighting that feeling like I'm fine. I can, I'll tackle this project. I feel really emotional, but I'm going to push that away for now. I feel really hungry. I'm going to push that away from now pushing that and fighting that you're wasting the energy and you don't have a lot of energy, right? It's your most precious resource. Yeah. So listening to yourself and giving your body what it needs ultimately is what makes us more productive. Great reminder for all, for all of us. <laughs> the deep breath. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So our conversation today is part of the new productive living series that I launched this year. Um, where I'm talking to women like you have special expertise or education or experience in certain areas. 
On this podcast, we talk about productivity as more than just getting stuff done, which is part of it, but that's part of being productive is getting the things done that are important in your life. But we also talk about productivity in the sense of making a life that matters. And I wonder, what does it mean to you to make a life that matters? Yeah, I love that question so much. I love that you ask it of all your guests because when I first came into productivity, I feel like I was of the mindset of, well, just how can I get to the point where I check more boxes off, Mm -hmm. where I get more done in the day? And that's just a hamster wheel, right? So to me, making a life that matters is about finding and cultivating moments of joyful awareness in doing the things that are commensurate with our values which may sound a little bit like finding some finding happiness, but it's not, I don't, happiness is just an emotional state. It doesn't really stick around. Whereas joyful awareness is I'm in this moment, whether it's a good moment or it's a bad moment, I'm here, I'm present. All of my time, my energy and attention is devoted to this moment. And I can be present in this moment because I've taken care of these other things And I don't need to be thinking all the time about those other things. It's having the ability to shift from doing, doing, doing to just being Mm. and sitting with that being and, and holding on to it. And I'm particularly thinking about that transition in the day when you go from doing your work to being with your kids, which is its own form of work, but, um, being able to still have the energy and attention to be with them in that moment as well but also be with the moment of being in flow while you're at work. Those are both things that I want to have energy for because it's what makes my life matter. Mm. I love that. So you are a person with a lot of medical training, a lot of other experiences. You, you know, all these things about health and wellness, and you've just talked about some things that, that we all can do that I assume, you know, are part of your life as well to be healthier and stronger and, and more productive and, and to sort of be on top of things, but even knowing what you know in your own life, Do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you just get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? Oh gosh, I feel like that describes every day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It happens all the time, right? Even this afternoon, I was in my head mentally, I had a picture of how I was going to sit down for this chat with you. And by the afternoon, everything was crazy and running so crazy. And I just grabbed a, I grabbed a, a nutrition, not a nutrition bar, a RX bar. Cause I was like, I just need something quick and easy to eat. Um, but anyway, I practice or I try to practice this acronym stop. And what it means is stop what you're doing. When you start sensing that threat level rising in your body, you start sweating, you're, you're kind of getting clenched up, you're feeling overwhelmed, stop, take a breath, take a real breath down into your, you know, your belly, your diaphragm, observe what's happening as like a, just a observer. I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm feeling really anxious. I'm feeling really fatigued. Um, I don't have time for everything today. It's just all too much. And then proceed with what feels like it's mission critical if you have to, 
But if you don't have to proceed with what your body really needs or what you really need in that moment, do you need a shower? Do you need to eat? Do you need to walk? Do you need to drink some water? Do you need to throw a load of laundry in so that you feel like you accomplished something today? Let go of whatever white knuckle idea you have of what today has to accomplish and downshift into meeting yourself where you're at. And, you know, if you become successful at this, then I will give you a million dollars to tell me how to do it every time this happens. But I really do try. I really do try when, you know, one of the kids is sick or something is coming off the rails to to sit in that space and rethink what really matters. Yeah. That's, you know, it's such great advice and such a great approach for all of us to consider in those times. And, you know, it comes back to, like you said, T in your, in your STOP acronym, what we were just talking about, what a difference it can make to just take a a couple of deep breaths. Um, it, it makes such a huge difference physically and mentally and in every other way in those circumstances to help you sort of get things back in a, in a place where you can actually do something. It's so simple. It's so elegant, but again, it's, it can be hard to do. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Sarah, where can people connect with you online? This is, you've given us so much information and I could keep you here for another hour and a half and we still couldn't cover everything. If somebody's curious about the things you've talked about or, or has a question for you or is interested in learning more, where's the best place for them to find you? I know you have a podcast, but, and so I don't know if that's the place to send them or where's the best place for folks to find you. I think, yeah, our podcast page, which is fruitful15.com is a great way to find out more about me And our email is there. So you can always reach out and email me and my podcast host, uh, Jennifer Drost. She's also a PA. And um, yeah, that's that's a great way to get in touch with me. Okay. We'll be sure to put links to that and to the other other resources you've mentioned in the show notes for this episode. Um, Before we go, many, maybe most of the women who listen to the Productive Woman podcast are looking for ideas, help, encouragement, maybe in getting things done and making a life that matters as they define it. Thinking about health management and the other things we've talked about today fit into that objective. Do you have any last words for the woman who's listening and maybe just looking for a little, little insight, a little encouragement or a little something along those lines? Yeah, I would say, um, stop shooting on yourself. Don't, don't, uh, engage in the should, 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 and get in there and win ugly. That comes from a famous tennis player. I think, uh, who wrote a book about if you spend too much time thinking about how your, your backhand should look perfect, your head isn't in the game anymore and you don't participate. So Mm. don't think about how it should look and what it should be and just get in there and win ugly and do it. I love that. Great words of advice for all of us. Thank you so much, Sarah, for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you, Laura. This was a pleasure. I really enjoyed talking with Sarah and I got a lot of food for thought from her insights on 
lifestyle medicine and the things that we can do and adjust in our own lifestyle to fight chronic diseases and just to be more healthy and uh, and therefore more productive. I'd love to know what you think, though. Uh, do you have any questions for Sarah or for me? Any thoughts on the things that we talked about? You can share those in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 352 or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in, of course, the Productive Woman Community Facebook group if you're a member there. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can always do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. I read every one of them and I respond just as quickly as I can. And I'd love to hear from you. I think that's pretty much it. Remember to visit analuisa.com slash the productive woman to check out their beautiful jewelry to find something for yourself or someone you love and get 10% off your order. That's analuisa, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com slash the productive woman. And thank you so much to Anna Luisa for supporting the productive woman podcast. And that really is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Sarah. I hope you found something in it that's helpful to you. And I'd love to hear from you about that. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. <laughs>